news is one of the most insightful businesswomen that I know. Sarah is absolutely amazing. Sarah's wisdom, enthusiasm, and positive outlook on life motivates me to be a better person. Her ability to see the very best in people is just awesome. Sarah's coaching and mentoring inspired me to become an entrepreneur. What an inspiration. Welcome to the Destined for Greatness podcast, where we believe that each person is destined for greatness. I am your host, Sarah Noose, and I'm joined by my handsome co-host, who's my husband, Adam. Hey, babe. Hey, babe. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. So today we have Laura Tremaine on our show, which is going to be amazing. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She actually is a um, college friend of mine, a sorority sister, um, and one of the most fun, like, I don't know, kind, nice, high energy, deep thought people from college that I remember. Yeah. You know, I always remember hearing about Laura. I don't remember if I knew her well, but um, always heard about her. And then, and then she eventually started dating the guy that was um, producing Jackass <laughs> right about the same time uh, we were grad- graduating college and, and it was the big hit show. And, and so always heard about her and being kind of involved in, in that um, made her kind of bigger than life back then. Yeah. And, and it's fun that you guys reconnected and, and doing big things. Yeah. You know, she has done amazing things too. She's an Oklahoma girl. So gotta love that. Um, but she was what I remember. Um, honestly, she's one of the funniest people that I remember from college, her and Kelly Casciola, like she was a year older and then Jenny Rice, who, you know, was my yep. big sis in the sorority. Um, I was always amazed at their like funniness and Laura Brewer, I would say like, there's like a group of, um, some older and some a little bit younger that um, made me laugh. But Laura was one of them. And actually, I told her that when we were talking before we hit record. And I said, I just remember you being so funny. And she made a really interesting comment. She goes, I don't think my people here know that I'm that funny. And I'm like, that's how I remember you is funny. (laughs) (laughs) So isn't that funny that like different people think of you in different seasons? Like for her to say people don't think of her as funny. I'm like, well, that's all I think of you as, you know, or not all, but like one of the highlights. Yeah. And that crew that you mentioned, they were real funny. <laughs> I, know. I remember we thought uh, Katie May was going to be on Saturday, Saturday Night, Night Live. Live. She still should have been. Well, she was. She, she still could. Yes. We should. haven't talked to her in years, yeah. but she was funny. Yeah. She was part of the funny group. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we were jealous of the funny group because I'm not very funny at all, but I like funny people. Yeah. Yeah. We're good. Uh, we're good to be funny, too. Yes. I think we laugh at everything. Yeah, we probably do. We're a good audience for funny people. That's right. That's right. So, um, but also Laura, one of the things that she did, um, long ago was she was part of the blogging when it was really big. And, um, and I think she really connected with audiences virtually before a lot of people did, which I think was really cutting edge because I remember blogs and I was like, well, I mean, so what, like people just read about your life, like what, wait, you're supposed to connect with them. But she was a master of it and really created a following. And now she has, um, a blog, um, post in a podcast, which is so cool. 10 things to tell you. And, um, and it's just taken off. Everything she does turns to gold and, um, she's 
really real. And I loved our conversation because she's like, hey, let me know if I can help you in any way. She's a helper. I just feel like that's the Oklahoma in her. (laughs) Um, But uh, she's doing so many great things. And she's actually just completed a book, which that was one of the conversations. I'm like, okay, how did you do that? Because, you know, my book, um, well, this COVID is not helping my book because I've had to kind of pivot to do way more tippy toe stuff. And I haven't had time on it. But she was really encouraging with that. Uh, random question. Oh gosh. Uh, you, you won't like it, but did, did she talk at all about the tiger killer? No. Oh my gosh. She's from Ardmore and that's where, uh, that's where he was from. Oh. The whole, the oh. whole Netflix documentary was about. Did you just call it about, tiger killer? Yeah, I think that's what it's called. No, I thought it was called tiger king. Tiger king. That's right. It should be Sorry. tiger killer. It should be yeah, like. That's probably a better name. Yeah. Cause it's terrible. Tiger king. So no. she didn't talk about him. Babe. I don't know. I I would actually be interested in what she'd have to say about it because I feel like she's more accepting than I am. I thought it was the dumbest show ever. And really like, here's the deal. The first night you watched it and you're like, oh, let's watch it. Everybody's talking about it's going to be good. And I watched five seconds of it and I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. You watched the worst part. Okay. Well, I mean, I I watched it for five minutes. You did give up. I did, but then the next night you put it on again and I'm like, oh God, we have to watch this stupid thing again. And it kept getting dumber and dumber. I kept thinking like, when's it going to do something different? But, and you know, yeah, it's, it never does. I'm concerned that so many people like it. What is wrong? Why? I don't know. I think it just had everything a good movie has. No, it was terrible. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to text Laura and say, what do you think about that? So yeah. she might it, from the same neck of the woods. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's She's you. proud of uh, Oklahoma roots as am I. So yeah. um, I don't know if she'll be proud of Tiger King or Tiger Probably Killer. Not. Yeah. Okay. We've totally gotten off topic. She's yeah, way right. cooler than that cooler. topic right there. <laughs> so let's pop over and listen to Laura Tremaine. Well, I am here with my friend, Laura Tremaine. And Laura, this is so exciting. Thank you so much for taking time to be on our Destined for Greatness podcast. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) Thank you for having me on. It's so nice to talk to you. Yes. Well, Kappa Alpha Theta forever, right? That's how we met. (laughs) Forever. (laughs) That's how we met as Laura was um, best friends with one of, with my big sister in the house. And so I just remember, you know what I remember most about you is how funny you are. You're so funny, Laura. <laughs> and I, oh my gosh. <laughs> people don't, I feel like people don't uh, know that about me or think that about me. So thank what? you for saying that. Oh my God. I think of you as the life of the party, like the entertainer. Um, and so I think it's funny that people wouldn't think that about you, but you have done so much since our days back at 845 Chautauqua. And so I want you to let people in on what you're doing. You have a pretty amazing story of leaving Oklahoma and heading to Los Angeles. So can you take us back into what took you there and kind of the journey that you've been on since moving all those years ago? Yes. So I went to OU with you where we met, but I also grew up in Oklahoma in a really small town. And so by the time I graduated college and was 21, almost 22, like I was ready for a big life change. Like I wanted to try something really different. And I had studied abroad and was really just wanting to see more of the world. And when you grow up in Oklahoma, like the big places to go are either New York or LA, right? Right. And I was just way too intimidated to go to New York City 
was super scary to me. And so I moved to Los Angeles the summer after I graduated college and I had never been here. Like when I moved here, I you had just never moved. That's insane. <laughs> I just moved. I can't imagine if my daughter told me she was gonna do something like that, but <laughs> I just moved. I had no job. I had no real plan. Yeah. Wow. Um I did I did like plan to do it for a year or so. So like I spent my entire senior year saving up knowing I was going to do this big crazy thing. Right. But then once I got here, I was like, okay, <laughs> now what? <laughs> um, so I had actually one of our sorority sisters had a connection at MTV. And so I just got the most like lowest rung on the ladder production assistant job, like doing all of the grunt work on an MTV show, and then my boss on that show, like, took me to do a movie after that, and, like, one thing <laughs> led to another, because production life is freelance mostly, so I was just, like, hoping after every show or movie ended that I would have another gig. Right. So, that's just what I did, and it was a huge culture shock, <laughs> I can obviously. only imagine, yes. <laughs> it was a huge learning curve, because I had no background, I hadn't studied film and TV production or anything. Mm -hmm. So it was like a total learning curve. On the first movie I worked on, I met a very cute director. <laughs> and he eventually became my husband years later. Right. And I'd gone through working at MTV, VH1, Fox. Like I did a bunch of production work and all that time, kind of moving up the ladder. Mm -hmm. But by the time we got married... Years later, I just knew that I didn't want to stay in production anymore. We wanted to start a family. And because my husband was a filmmaker, his schedule was so erratic and chaotic that we just made the decision that I was going to step out of the production world. We were going to start our family. Mm -hmm. And I would sort of be the one to hold down the fort. Yeah. Wow. While he sort of had his crazy career. Mm -hmm. But my biggest dream the whole time like during all of college and then all of the years of working in TV, which was just sort of an accident, was I just wanted to write. Yeah. Like I felt like I was a writer in my spirit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, but I just hadn't really had like the opportunity. I, I mean, looking back, there's some things that I definitely could have done differently, but the path that I ended up on was long production days, you know, long, long days. Like I just didn't have it in me to be doing creative work on the side. Right. And so when we decided that I wasn't going to work in production anymore and, and we were going to start our family, I started a mommy blog <laughs> because this was, I had a brand new baby girl. Yeah. This was like, and what year was this, Laura? It was, um, it was 2010. Okay. I know because it was my daughter had just been born first of all, but right. also like I feel like it's 10 years later right now, right. and I genuinely feel like I'm only now mm -hmm. hitting a real stride. Really? That's fascinating to me that you think that, because from the outside in, I'm like, man, you really have known what you were doing all along, because, and I know you're going to get into it, but it seemed as if you were on the edge of all this blog stuff happening. You kind of hit it before it got really big, would you say? Or was it right at that time? It was, I kind of, it was right at that time. I had some friends that had started earlier that were mm -hmm. kind of a few steps ahead of me. But I was like right in the blogging heyday. I feel like I started. Right. 
And I don't mean to say that 10 years later, I'm only now having some success or I'm only now enjoying it. Like Mm -hmm. I've worked really hard and really enjoyed it almost all of these 10 years. But I just didn't feel like until now that kind of all of my talents and desires have gelled together. Right. I, I sort of feel like in some ways I've been trying a bunch of things to get there because Mm -hmm. when I started the mommy blog, you know, blogging was still pretty new, but I didn't think I would do that as long as I did. Like I was like, Oh, I'll start a mommy blog as a way to eventually write a book or right. You know, but what happened was publishing on the internet got so popular. It got lucrative and like, you know, it was immediately Mm -hmm. satisfying versus like the traditional publishing route takes you two hours. I mean, takes you two years to get something (laughs) into the world. Yes, yes, yes. And it was automatic. Like people were connecting. The thing that I love about you is you allowed people to connect with you through your blog. And I feel like that's sometimes different. And I kind of, I want you to go into that a little bit with us because I feel like you are the everybody's friend on the internet. Like, would you feel that way too? Or because I feel like your circle is very internet based of a bunch of your friends from across the world. Well, I made friends. Well, those are two different things. If you feel like, <laughs> like friends versus, you know, the people who are necessarily reading your stuff or following right. your stuff. But because I had started my mommy blog when my daughter was about two months old, three months old. And my husband was traveling all the Mm -hmm. time and I had left most of my LA friends behind when I quit working, Like they were all work friends mostly. Mm -hmm. And so I was in this period of motherhood and still fairly new marriage and was super lonely. Yeah. And so when I was writing about my baby or I was writing about being so far away from home, a big thing that I wrote about in those early days was that my whole family and and my whole belief system was back in Oklahoma Mm -hmm. and that I was in Los Angeles, like trying to make it work in this crazy city, which I love and love even more now. But I did feel like a fish out of water for a long time, especially Mm -hmm. when I was writing some of those early things. And I guess people connected to some of those different themes, maybe. Yeah. Well, I think you were just very honest early on. And I think people love that more than anything is like, wow. And they can relate like, wow. Cause just even hearing you, I'm like being an Oklahoma girl myself, like that is very eye opening, you know, to be like, this is a whole different life than anything I ever grew up knowing. And so I think you just became very relatable to everybody. I mean, I hope so. I think so. And a lot of people, who never made that big kind of move across the country, who still lived in their hometown or their home state, you know, by choice, they, they want to do that. But also like, maybe you dream about Mm -hmm. making that big move. And I was writing a lot about that at the time. Right. So I just blogged for, I would say, I think six years and it opened up so many opportunities. I do feel like the internet gives everybody access. Mm -hmm. It gives everybody a shot. Like where in the past, you know, it would be really hard to get the right interview or to get your stuff in front of the right eyeballs. And now like 
anybody can. Right. And so I, I just, it opened up a lot of doors. Like I traveled all over during my blog years, like speaking and going on these international trips that were just very meaningful to me. And, mm-hmm. and back to the other piece of being lonely, I made friends who were also blogging, mm-hmm. who were also new mothers. And we, you know, we really connected on a deeper level than the kind of friendships I was finding on my right. own in LA. Yeah. And so then I made, you know, then that was like a really big deal to me. I felt like a lot closer to myself when mm-hmm. I had deep girlfriendships, which yeah. I'd had in college, which I'd had <laughs> when I was, yeah. You, you had know? great girlfriends in college. Like the group that you'd always, your, I would always be attracted to because you guys were all so funny and you made all the rest of us laugh. And so to find that again in LA where you were really connected had to have been really special. Yeah, it was good. But most of those people were on the internet. A lot of them mm-hmm. weren't here. Right. But they got me through those early days of parenting. I feel like I figured out while blogging, like how to write better, even though I felt like it was my dream and kind of my skill set. Mm-hmm. I still like had a lot, a lot, a lot to learn. Right. And so just blogging for many years, I blogged like almost every day. And wow. so that's a lot of writing. That's yeah. like a lot of sentences. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, but then eventually, you know, blogging started to change. The internet moves at such a fast pace and I didn't want to write so much about my family anymore. As the kids got a little bit older, I felt like I had outgrown some of the things that I was writing about. Like I just wasn't, I didn't feel like a ton of passion for them anymore. And so I closed my blog and really got into podcasting, Mm -hmm. which is my current (laughs) and it's awesome (laughs) favorite thing. And I'm on my third podcast. So like I have gosh done the whole, I was a co-host for a while on a show called Sorta Awesome that my Mm -hmm. friend Meg Teet started. And then I started a interview based podcast called Smartest Person in the Room. Yes. And then now I'm doing a weekly show that's really about conversation starters and connection with others and then also introspection with yourself Mm -hmm. for personal growth. And it's called 10 Things to Tell You. So that's kind of where we are and what the whole path has been. You know what I love, Laura, is hearing you is I think some people think they have to have that one thing and you never had it written down on paper, much like me with tippy toes, like it just started because it started. (laughs) Like there was no plan and same with you. And then as your life has taken you through, you've changed as you've, you know, come in through shifts and turns. And I love that, that you haven't been set with like, no, I'm a blogger. It's like, well, now I'm going to do a podcast. Now I'm going to do this. And let me ask you, do you just love the podcast? Cause it's one of my favorite things that I do is just getting to know people on a deeper level and letting them share their story. Is it, do you enjoy that so much? I love it so much more than I thought I would, Mm -hmm. but I also think it, it, has made me a better writer, like yeah. using my literal voice mm-hmm. to speak every single week to an audience Right, has definitely helped just the way I communicate in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say the blog world, I mean, I'm sorry, the podcast world is so much more competitive than the blog world. It's a lot harder to 
grow and maintain an audience in mm -hmm. podcasting than it is in blogging just because the threshold is so high. Like you can get anyone to click through and read a blog post. It takes them two minutes. It's right. really no skin off anyone's back. But getting people to give their time mm -hmm. yeah. to, you know, 30 minutes to an hour of you talking. Right. <laughs> it's a different, it's a different entry level. <laughs> right. Right. But two, I think once they do the engagement of them, like once they fall in love, I mean, how can you not fall in love with you, Laura? Like you're just so personable and I love that about you, but I think listening to you, it almost becomes a bigger connection. So once you do hook them into what you're doing, I feel like they're maybe, um, more bought in possibly. Um, at least that's my hope with my podcast is people then really grow to know me and the people that I have on my show, which is awesome. Um, okay. So tell me this, who have been your favorite guests that you've had on your podcast? Well, my show right now, 10 things to tell you, I don't have a ton of guests. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is solo shows of me talking, but I do often have guests on to talk about books or, sometimes makeup and beauty. The mm -hmm. most popular episode in terms of most downloads ever is episode 14 with my friend Jamie Golden. And we talked about skincare. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean, I've turned 40 this year. <laughs> yes. That episode like went far <laughs> and wide yes. with people. Yes. Um, but I really, in terms of interviews or guests, I cared a lot more about the work in that way that I did on Smartest Person in the Room mm -hmm. because we did that show in series. So mm -hmm. I had a series on Hollywood. Right. I had a series on religion. I had a series on viral internet culture. And mind-body connection was another really, really pivotal series for me. And then the last series that we did there was on like um, racial bias mm -hmm. in America. And I did it with my friend, Yasmin Dunn, who is a person of color and I'm a very, very white person. Right. And we <laughs> had a lot of really challenging, but truly transformative for me, mm -hmm. talks about what that looks like. And that was a, I think there were seven episodes in that series. So it's not too long. Right. It's a, it's a couple years old. So there's some dated references mm -hmm. in it, but in general, that talk with a friend publicly was like really, really yeah, a big deal for me. That is so awesome. I love that. You know what I love is that you're not scared to, um, talk about anything and that you have so many different topics that you've talked about. I mean, from beauty to politics to faith to, I mean, have you had an episode on Dr. Pepper? Cause I know that's one of your ah, things. I that should. You I'm so passionate. About I know. It. Hey I girl, I am right there with you. <laughs> I love that. That is so cool. Well, let me ask you this. Cause I know, um, just from following you, you just turned in a manuscript, um, for a book. Tell us a little bit about that. So again, writing the book had always been my dream, mm -hmm. but for many years, it didn't make any sense. I didn't feel ready. This is back in the blogging years. And then after I'd been doing it for a while and I thought I was ready, I put together a book proposal and shopped it. This was in 2015, so five mm -hmm. years ago. And there just wasn't any interest in it. Right. And it was, it was actually really... 
humbling experience Mm -hmm. because I had so many other blogger friends who seemed to have gotten book deals so easily. Right. And it wasn't that I thought it would be handed to me because I worked really hard on the proposal, but I, I would definitely didn't see coming that it would sort of be like universally a no go. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean, Um, that's hard. I think, you know, I'm actually in that season a little bit right now that, and I think it's really hard to be like, wait, you don't, you don't like my story. You don't want, and then we take, I have taken it personally, like really? And it seems as if a lot of people have a deal. And so how did you deal with that? Well, I did, two things happened. I got all these rejections in the summer and we were away for the summer with my family. And so I could kind of lick my wounds in private a little bit, Mm -hmm. but two things were happening simultaneously. So one was I was, you know, embarrassed and a little lost because I was already winding down my blogging. To me, this was the next step. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, if that isn't the next step, like, I don't really know what is next. But then I also realized, and this was the more telling emotion that after like the first few days of just like being embarrassed, right? I realized I was relieved Mm. Mm. that I actually didn't really want to write that book, whether I just wasn't ready for that level of work or I wasn't really that passionate about the book itself or whatever. I'd sort of just done it as like, okay, this is the next step. Right. But the actual project, I could kind of see objectively that it wasn't amazing. Right. So... I did feel like once I realized I felt a little bit of relief, I was like, well, maybe I dodged a bullet here. Like if I had forced it and tried to do it and then it had been very poorly received, that would be, that's way worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I just packed up that dream for a little bit. That's when I started podcasting and finding my voice there better, kind of connecting with an audience in a different way than blogging had been. And when I started 10 Things to Tell You, which was just a year ago, Mm. I knew immediately that it was different. Like the whole thing felt different to me. I love that. It it felt like it flowed. It felt effortless creatively. Now, obviously, there's a ton of effort that goes Mm -hmm. into like making a podcast, but I, it, I just felt different than anything I had done. Right. And so I did the podcast for a few months and then I was like, okay, now, now I'm actually ready. Now I have something to say. Mm-hmm. All these things that I've sort of been talking about online for all these years through mommy blogging, through the different podcasts, which was anxiety, friendship, personal growth, like all these things I've been talking about had really come together and and that was not strategic. It actually looks more strategic from the outside than it was. It was not. Yeah. Yeah. But when I realized that it was like, Oh, this is it. Like I finally found it. And so I put together another book proposal (laughs) and shopped it last summer. Yeah. And it had a much better reception And I was, you know, able to sign a book deal by the fall. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a testament to me of like the difference of feeling when something's working and when it's not. Yeah. Yeah. 
And when you're in it, you cannot always tell right. because I, I couldn't tell that first time that it wasn't working until professional people told me it wasn't working. Right. And then I guess you can choose to go, you know, one way or the other. There is something to be said for really like fighting for your dream and whatever. The right. fact that I was immediately like, yeah, this actually, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. But I think that's good to have that intuition to be like, you know what? I do need to wait. And I think God's just so cool how he can map it out and weave it through that. It's wasn't like it wasn't ever going to happen. It was just during that time and season and that you were like, okay, it's not going to work, but it, that it's come back around. So can you share at all what your book is going to be about? Yeah, the book is very similar to what my podcast is. So on 10 Things to Tell You, almost every episode asks a question. And sometimes these are big life questions. And sometimes they're like sort of silly, get to know you questions. And then I answer the question on the show. And I encourage the listeners to ask and answer the question either on social media or like with their best friend or in their journal. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people have taken the different prompts from the show to like girls nights out or mm -hmm. mom's, you know, days or whatever. So I'm doing the same thing in the book where each chapter asks a question and they're, you know, a little bit more comprehensive than what I'm able to get to on the show. And then I answer the question in essay form. And then I also sort of explain like how you might answer this question how you can take this question to a friend or a spouse or whoever you want a deeper connection with. Yeah. And like use these different questions. There's 10 of them to deepen your relationship to maybe kind of look inside and see in your own life, like who has made you who you are and what has made you who you are. And then like who you want to be. So that's what I'm hoping the book achieves. I love that, Laura. That is so cool. That is, that's awesome. I think it's going to impact a lot of people and just open up a whole bunch of conversations, which is amazing too. I hope so. That's the hope. Yes. Now tell me, what does your husband, is he a big reader or no? No, he's, <laughs> a, he's not a reader. <laughs> so what does he do? Was Is he like in this with you or is he like, okay, good luck on this next project? Because you guys are project-based people too. You know, he goes to a movie and then moves on. How does that look for him? Is he a highly supportive husband with this or? He has always been supportive of all my stuff. Mm -hmm. Like he has been so gracious with letting me share our lives on the internet. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's not what he would do. Right. But he's always trusted you know, my creative vision and also like that I would honor our family and our things that need to be kept private. You know, like he's right. always trusted that he's never second guessed it. He's never asked me to take anything down. He's never been anything but enormously supportive mm. in terms of the book. And I guess he's been this way sort of all along, but now that it feels like the stakes are a little higher with the book, he as a very professional creative person before he was a director, he, um, was the editor of a magazine. And so oh, wow. he's always, been, he has an art degree. So he's like always been very creative. So he's been really helpful to me in some of the like marketing decisions that I wouldn't yeah. know, mm -hmm. like titling, like the cover, you yeah. know, like how to sell a mm -hmm. thing, which I've always sort of been selling myself and talking right. about myself and all of my work. 
but he's had to actually like market to an audience that needs to spend money. Yes. But that's so smart because I think we go off what we think, well, people have been listening to me, so I'll sell myself, but he has a different eye of it, which is huge, I would think. Yeah. So he's been super helpful in those ways when I've been like, does this sound right? Like, Mm -hmm. because he has a lot of good, not only has he had a lot of success in his life, but he's also quite a bit older than me. He's 13 Mm -hmm. years older than me. So he just has a lot of experience and not everything that he's done has done amazing. Like he's had some things that haven't gone as well. Mm -hmm. So he definitely has a lot of opinions and wisdom in just like how to be audience friendly, I guess. Right, right. Which is huge and a whole nother factor. <laughs> like you have to be yeah. that way to sell your book. Wow. Well, normally I ask so on my podcast, what's your next big dream? But I'm going to assume here it's to get your book out, be finished and reach the masses. Is there something else that you have or what is your big dream with this book? Well, it, I just turned it in. We're still in the editing process. It won't come out until early 2021, Mm -hmm. which I know will be here in a hot minute, but right now it feels like a long time away. And actually I, it's a two book deal. So I will have to do another (laughs) book after this one. Yes. Yes. Good. That's something we can look forward to then knowing that there's another one on the way. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of as far as I can see is the next uh, three ish years, I guess that's going to be finally doing what I set out to do when I moved to LA, like almost 20 years ago, I mean, I moved here in 2001 and my first book will come out in Mm. 2021, you know? I love that though. And I think what you're speaking to is something that I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs about, you know, the old cliche that, you know, an overnight success takes 10 years, but it's really like, through all of it and all the failures or roadblocks or detours that we've taken, we're always becoming somebody. And so Mm -hmm. had you moved to LA and had a book come out, I'm sure reading it now, you'd be like, oh, the things I would have told myself. And now you get to share that with us, which I think is so incredibly beautiful and powerful too. Yeah, it's totally true. Mm, I love that. Well, Laura, I was so excited when you gave me the go ahead and said, yes, I will do this podcast just because just to know you and to remember all the fun stories of, you know, being in the Theta house together, but then also just following you and seeing the impact that you've made in the world in such a beautiful way with your voice has just been really special. And so I just want to thank you so much for taking time um, to spend with me and our audience today. Yes, Sarah, I could not have said yes to you fast enough. Like, I love what you're doing. You were an entrepreneur before we even left college, by the way. And that is not something that I am like really strong in. So it's, mm. it's wonderful to see that all the things that you are doing as well. So thanks well, for having thank me you. on. Well, hey, we're going to have you on again once your book releases, and then you can share all the, all the exciting moments that have taken place through this process with us. Yes. Oh, yes, thank you so much, Laura. Hey, it's Sarah Noose, and I believe that you are destined for greatness. Do you have a dream inside of you? You think about wanting more out of life? Well, I have seen incredible life change happen all across the country by women who have signed up for my four-week accountability group. I would love to offer you the opportunity 
for real life change. Head on over to saranoose.com and sign up. There's limited spots available, but I would love to get to know you, have you join, and watch you conquer your dreams. If this podcast was helpful, it would mean the world to me to have you rate it, review it, and share it on social media. Social media is a big place, and to reach more people, I would love your help. Thank you for joining us today, and remember, you are destined for greatness.